Chasing down technology related to the mind and consciousness is almost a fool's errand. It exists. There is a division within DARPA and a division within that division that does secret black ops work on how to control minds. But it goes a lot farther than mind control. Mind control is old, very old. I'll, re I'll review that briefly here on this presentation on the Common Sense Show. And we'll get into where the new advances are going. And I'll just give you a clue as to what's going to happen and transpire in the near future. It's called transhumanism. Transhumanism on steroids. This is the Common Sense Show, as I alluded to. My name is Dave Hodges. I'm the host. And we're the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we're brought to you by Patriot Solar Bank. This is a device that runs on solar power. It absolutely is infallible in terms of how quickly it charges your electronic devices. It's like this. And in addition, <laughs> it can charge two at once, has a compass, has all kinds of cool stuff. Too much to go into here. Go to PatriotSolarBank.com and look at what's available. The link is in our description box. And because you're a member of our audience, you get 20% off with the coupon code Hodges20 at PatriotSolarBank.com. Well, mind control, it's as old as almost the 20th century. Mind control electronically started in the early 1960s with Jose Delgado in a bullfight in which Jose had a electronic transmitter and would just shoot waves out and change the behavior of a bull that would be charging him. That's old news. He went to Yale. He advanced this to treatment of epilepsy, which is a shame we've lost. He actually showed how he could manipulate anger, fear, joy, and so forth. And then he was gone like that. And where'd he end up? SRI, Stanford Research Institute, CIA. Mind control. It's old. Project HARP is about mind control. One of the prevailing theories, and I think it's more than theory, is that Project HARP works by beaming an array of electromagnetic signals up to the ionosphere. And like a pool shot off the side, it can hit the side, hit a ball, knock it in. It's a similar kind of concept. You put something up there and it comes back to Earth down here. Now, HARP does a lot of different things. And you're wondering, what's HARP? H-A-A-R-P. And HARP actually is uh, something that can be emotional mind control. It can be weather modification by moving that jet stream. It has a number of purposes. But one of the things that we think that HARP does, and we have to infer from the patents obtained by places like Eastman Kodak and what they actually tell you they were working on in the 1960s and 70s and 80s, Nick Begich published a lot of these patents on his website, earthpress.com. Also, he wrote a book, Angels Don't Play This Harp. Fantastic book, just as relevant today as it was when it was published 22 years ago. Amazing. Time flies when you're having an electronic holocaust. But this project uh, absolutely showed that you could modify mood in a narrow beam or if you did a broad array spectrum beam coming down on a population, you could modify mood there. Because see, the brain is electromagnetic, and when you stimulate it with outside electrical signals, it changes the mood. Let me just give you an example. Uh, music may be the most simplistic example of this, where mood music can change how you feel. 
Some kind of music stimulates intellectual thinking, classical music. Some music actually stimulates mood, you know, the hip-hop, high energy. And we have all kinds of research data that tells us this. But this science goes way beyond that. Certain frequencies will produce depression. Certain frequencies will produce other emotions. And so people often ask me the question, Dave, why is it that the American people who would have been rioting in the streets in the 1960s over the way their government's being run today, why aren't they now out there on the street when things are just unbelievably bad? We protested the Vietnam War in America in great numbers, and right now the Vietnam War seems like child's play compared to the corruption and destruction to our country that's going on. Answer, a lot of people think, are these electromagnetic controls that are being beamed out by, by heart. Now, I sound, if you're new to this, oh man, this guy's got tinfoil hat on. There's something wrong with him. He's got tinfoil over the windows. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, this is science that absolutely has some production behind it. In other words, there's a data trail that you can follow with this. Uh, and I recommend everybody start with Nick Begich, B-E-G-I-C-H, Dr. Nick Begich. You need to hone in on this guy's work because it gives you where we were at 25 years ago. In fact, let me explain to you about voice-to-skull technology that Nick exposed. He took the patents and he constructed something called voice-to-skull technology. He demonstrated it before the European Union Parliament leadership. And he was able to project through electrical signals voices inside the minds of the parliament. And they promptly passed laws against this. Now, those laws have been overturned. That's surprising. But Nick demonstrated this over 20 years ago. I'll tell you, this, this man never, never got the credit he deserved. Now, he was a frequent guest of Art Bell uh, and uh, really is very well-spoken, very entertaining to listen to. But he never got the credit he deserved across the board because he unlocked all this with solid research. And most of it was discovering what patents said that these devices could do. So when we look at what Nick discovered over two decades ago and how the European Parliament was absolutely convinced of this, we need to sit back and say, this stuff is real. Now, that's old news. I'm telling you stuff that's over 20 years old. And some of you are just ultimately in shock. No, this has been around for a long time. I'll give you one example in the Gulf War. AWACS. High-flying spy plane can monitor everything, direct ground and air combat at the same time. But they also had the ability to summon electromagnetic signals and project them at a certain location, even deep beneath the earth. In fact, what Begich discovered was that HARP could actually have signals manifesting as much as a mile or two deep beneath the earth. Isn't that interesting? Because a lot of the warfare we think that's coming will be tunnel-based. One tunnel runs into another below the surface because if those tunnels go unchecked, then they can surround an objective and, you know, use your military noggin here to figure this one out. But one of the things that Nick Begich discovered on this was the fact that these signals could penetrate Earth. In fact, they called it Earth-penetrating tomography. That's right, EPT. That's been around for a long, 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 long time. It also enables NASA and then later the NSA, to identify individuals a mile or two deep. Well, that's right. You have unique heat, heat signatures. You have other bio-identifiers 
besides your retinal scan, your, your fingerprints and so forth, you have unique scans to you. You know, dogs, dog uh, researchers will tell you dogs can differentiate between individuals by smell. That's part of what I'm talking about here, but only a small subset part. This whole science is way beyond the average public's understanding. And it's out there hidden in plain sight. And people say to me, well, Dave, is this classified? The answer is yes, in part, and no, mostly. Now, there are two types of intelligence information. And before I go forward, so you wonder, gee, can I find this? Yes, you can. You can do the same research trail that I've gone down, and you'll find the same results. What we know is that some intelligence is closed, and it's not hidden to the public, or it's hidden from the public, and it's illegal to reveal it. And I don't touch that kind of intelligence. I don't want the, please come with us, sir, because that will land you in prison unless your name is Hillary Clinton and you put it on your private server. The other type of intelligence is what we call open source intelligence. And it's where the government knows they can't get away with classifying something, but they'll hide it in plain sight and you have to know where to look to find it. Now, a lot of the sources that contact me work on this principle, and this is very, very common in the independent media. Uh, well, hello, well, yeah, General, thank you for contacting me. Well, what can you tell me? Well, I can really tell you nothing, but I can tell you where to look. And I can answer questions in a covert, subterfuge kind of manner. So here's what you have to do. And oh, really, where would I find this? Let me give you an example. The Obama administration, we know, was deeply in bed with the cartels. Absolutely no question. Uh, the Fast and Furious fiasco with Eric Holder, then the Attorney General, sending arms to the drug cartels was proof positive of what I'm saying. Now, a DEA agent made contact with me in 2014 and told me about how elements of the U.S. government inside the Obama administration was carrying out illicit drug activities, drawing a black budget profit to carry out covert operations they didn't want tracked back to them. And I said, well, how can we prove that? He said, well, the Niebla federal court case can do this. I said, really? What, what is that? And he tuned me into this court case in 2010 in which this drug kingpin of enormous proportions had been busted. And his defense was the Justice Department said they would only bust 20% of all drug shipments and people like him would be totally immune from prosecution. He got off. I've published that on my website. That's an example of open source intelligence. And a lot of this technology with the mind is open sourced intelligence, but you've got to go here, you've got to go there. Let's go back to a video that appeared in 2008, and I reported on it in 2012. And it was called the God Gene. Do you remember this? I'm sure a lot of you remember reference to this. And the God Gene was supposedly a place in your brain that if they could control it electromagnetically, they could turn off your desire or need to believe in a supreme being. I'm still a little stunned that you actually have a part of your brain where this happens, but there was a briefing that had been taped and leaked to the public where this was seriously being discussed and why they wanted to suppress the so-called God gene. And you may wanna go back uh, to, the, to the net and use a search engine and put in God gene. And I think you'll see, whoa, Dave's right on this. What we know, ladies and gentlemen, what we really know for sure on this is that 
we now have the ability to move temperament. We can implant thoughts. We can implant anything we want inside a person's head if we have certain prescribed data. It's like dialing a phone number. Every individual has unique frequencies, but we all have common frequencies that we respond to. For example, a certain frequency might be tied to depression or fear or anxiety, and they change by the frequencies. However, each individual will have a subset within that frequency that they can be targeted, singled out, and tracked. And so you're wondering, how do we get Manchurian candidates? This was the stuff of MK Ultra. This is what I can't believe has never come out in a concentrated public manner because the information's all there. MK Ultra was in part about training assassins through electromagnetic and chemical uh, transformation of parts of the brain to get people malleable, to follow directions, to carry out a mission, and then amazingly, forget you did it. And you're saying, you can't do that. Well, actually you can even using hypnosis. You can hypnotize someone to remember something and have them reveal it and then have them absolutely say, I don't remember that. It's called post-hypnotic post amnesia. See, there's so much about the brain that people don't know. And when I started teaching uh, courses on advanced cognitive neuroscience, I would come right up to the edge of this stuff. And then it would be a black wall. And I'm thinking, well, we haven't made any progress in two decades. So this started me down the path of discovering people like Nick Begich. Like I said, the man does not get enough credit. He was the kingpin of knowledge in this area. And all he did, it was, well, not all he did, but a lot of what Nick did was just amazing where he just went to the patents and he told us what the patents said. And the patents are really the key to understanding what's happening. For example, do you think it's possible to induce an earthquake artificially? Most people say, no, oh, that's the stuff of science fiction. That's Hollywood. If you think it's your paranoid Hodges, take medication and lay down. Answer, <laughs> uh, is very possible. Air Force owning the weather 2025. A document that's been leaked. It's on the net. I've got a copy of it on the commonsenseshow.com in an article. And they tell you exactly how they do it. And you have the patents that are there to tell you how to do it. And then they have, do you think you can induce weather? Major storms, start a hurricane. Yes, all you have to do is move the jet stream. How do you do that? Electrically excite the jet stream at the ionospheric level. And you can move and combine two fronts and voila, you've got a superstorm. Oh, and then the climate change people say, oh, too much plastic. You're leaving your lights on too long. We've got to make changes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, this technology is stunning. It's remarkable. It could be used for good. Um, as I said, Jose Delgado, the pioneer of this research, absolutely was showing. And I was playing the 16 millimeter uh, videos in my classes in the early 1980s of Jose Delgado and what he was doing at Yale with treating epilepsy. He made tremendous progress for the good. But see, when the military gets a hold of this technology, and it often does today with technology like this, they use it for the purposes of control, for evil to kill, to dominate. And unfortunately, that's where this is at now. And I think a lot of the passivity that we see today in America can be explained because we're being bombarded and we're being bombarded by HARP. And HARP is a multi-dimensional project, which is something that really should be banned from the face of the earth. Now, let me get down to where transhumanism is going. 
And to talk about this, I need to reflect back to my old friend, Vance Davis. You've heard him here on this channel. You've heard me interview him on radio. Vance is a former NSA agent. Vance was describing in 1993 the science of transhumanism without using the term transhumanism. But one of the things that we know that transhumanism is working on is the transfer of consciousness. And there's different stages to the development of this. Let me tell you what we know, and then let's work on the premise that we're usually 30 to 40 years behind what really is happening in that moment. And we'll kind of project out where this is. What we know is, is that artificial intelligence has been programmed to reprogram itself. And we know that from some of the early released DARPA documents that talked about artificial intelligent robots that were sentient. They're aware of their existence. They're aware of danger. And they could rewrite their program as their mission objectives change. And they experimented with this in Afghanistan. We don't know the results of the experiments. Those are classified. We know that the experiments took place. And what these robots could do was rewrite their mission. Isn't that self-awareness? Well, where does that come from? See, this is the catch. No one ever asked this question. And I, and I look at these uh, science writers for the mainstream magazines that will occasionally put out an article like this that was in Popular Mechanics, but they never asked the question. Where did this intelligence come from? How did you teach the AI to rewrite its own consciousness to becoming self-aware and adaptive? These are advanced human traits. Would you not agree? It's something that's not found in your family pet. It's a human trait. Can we reconstruct the human genome in such a way that we can transfer that into uh, a silicone-based body and it takes life on its own? I don't know that I can buy that. And that's kind of the implication they'll leave you with when you read the data. What I think is more likely is they've learned to clone human consciousness and transfer it to an artificial entity and the creativity remains intact. That's a much cleaner explanation. And I could really get into the subatomic level, what parts of the brain are involved, what kind of functions do they put in that are neurological substitutes for what we find in human beings, but it would be too detailed. And I'd have to have a chart back here with the brain and saying, well, here we are in the neocortex and we wanna make a change here in someone emotionally, we gotta affect the limbic system and so forth. And by the way, you ever wonder too, and I'll give you just a simple example how this can work. Do you know how the human brain stops pain using hypnosis? It's really simple. It's called an evoked potential. You're given a prompt. In fact, nurses do this when they give shots and they probably don't even know why they've been taught to do it. Okay, a little stick here, honey. Okay, if you're in a totally relaxed state and you can harness your internal processes mentally, if you know that a pain stimulus is coming, you can issue what's called an evoked potential and it can rush to the limbic system and meet the pain at the threshold of the limbic system and say, stop, you shall not go farther. Actually, they refer to this often in the literature as the pain gate theory or the gate control theory, depending on who you're reading. 
this has been documented. Um, in fact, the great research on this came out of the University of Virginia, oh, probably early 1990s, about evoked potential. And they showed how these Eastern yogis could put meat hooks in their body and be dangled and not experience any pain or discomfort, how they could block the yogis, could block the most dire kinds of pain so they wouldn't have a breaking point in torture. Uh, and by the way, this is often how we train our special ops to, if they're captured, how to uh, have adaptive means to giving in to torture and giving information. Totally learning how to control the mind by putting it in an altered state of consciousness in which in the subconscious level, you can harness these, what we call evoked potentials. And it's fascinating. By the way, uh, Dr. Jane Crawford, I believe it was, from the University of Virginia, actually produced something, um, I believe yeah, it was for A&E uh, uh, Network. And uh, I used to show some of this video in my cognitive neuroscience class. And they would, she showed the evoked potential where it would intervene right before it got to the limbic system. We had images, brain images of the process at work. Well, this can be transferred to a sentient, to a non-sentient being and start to make it sentient. And we have such control over ourselves and people to a finite level that we don't know the limits of the mind. Let me tell you what the goal of transhumanism is. I went to Steve Quayle's conference in Branson, Missouri in September of 2018. And, and, and Steve flew me out very graciously, put me up, wonderful accommodations, and said, I want you to cover this. And then I want you to interview the participants here that you think are credible and interesting. Well, first of all, they were all credible. Secondly, they, I was spellbound. I had to remind myself I was there as an objective reporter, not there to be fascinated. But I have to confess, I vacillated between the two because the information that I saw given was shocking, stunning about the power of the mind and what was happening with transhumanism. Let me tell you what they are working on and what they have been working on for some time. I just don't know where they're at. They're working on transferring consciousness from one person to another. And they call it the walk-in effect. And you're saying, oh, that can't happen. Well, <laughs> the experiments are happening and we have lots of insider sources that tell us this is happening. I've had people from DARPA contact me and tell me it's happening. Some people don't like it. Some people who've been exposed to it that work on the inside have rebelled against this and they're beginning to make revelations, but they have to be careful for obvious reasons. Transhumanism seeks to get rid of human beings in its form. Let's go back to my friend Vance Davis. Vance Davis, when we first talked, and he agreed to meet with me, and by the way, I heard him on the Art Bell show, the very first time I heard Art Bell, I had fallen asleep in my bed, I think at that time my wife was out of town on business, so in bed, no one's in the house, no kids yet, and I'm listening to the early days of Art Bell, and I heard this guy, Vance Davis, um, Vance was talking about the secret space program and my father had revealed to me eight years prior to that, right before his death, about his involvement in this, working with captured German scientists and doing reverse engineering theoretically to be developed in labs for real application. And I knew a lot of what was going on in that program. 
And uh, in fact, uh, when I when I reached out to Vance as a result of his presentation on Art Bell, I said a couple of key words that I knew he would know that he didn't talk about on the show. And he didn't talk about them on the show because it would have brought people down on his head instantly. So he had a gentleman named Bill Pollock reach out to me of the uh, former contract agent for the CIA. He at that time was working uh, as the CEO of a major uh, cable company in uh, North Albuquerque. And we all talked and eventually we met and talk about serendipity, right? Like never listened to Art Bell before. Well, there he is. Um, And what Vance told me on our very first meeting, and interestingly enough, I was living in Glendale, Arizona, and about 30 miles away, he was living in East Mesa. And he asked me, says, well, Dave, I think it's time we meet. Come on over. There's things I want to say to you in person that I will not say to you over the phone. And of course, we moved away, couldn't have our cell phones. uh, And this is the early, early days of cell phones. And yes, I had one. And um, we moved away from any listening devices. And here's what he first told me. He said, there's been a war in the cosmos between good and evil, and evil lost that war. That sounds like Genesis, doesn't it? And he said, and the bad guys have come here to roost. This was part of my NSA training, Dave, and they have tried to master the soul, but they can't. So they want to destroy the human being and turn it into something other than God's prized creation. Now, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but this is what exactly he meant. And those of you who've heard me interview Vance through the years, through the many years I've known him now, which we're going on three decades here fairly soon, uh, Vance's revelations are second to none. Uh, He's the most in-tune, in-touch person that I have ever known, especially when it comes to advanced neuroscience technology. Um, And so the devil can't get to the soul. This is my interpretation of what Vance said. So they're getting to the human being. This is the transhumanism era. This is the control of consciousness. We can replace technologically about any body part that we need to, to keep the person going. Yes, I've been told that privately, we even have a situation where we can reverse Alzheimer's disease. That's right, but you'll never see it. It's withheld technology. Don't you find it interesting, ladies and gentlemen? that you're in a situation where we haven't seen cancer advances amount to almost anything in the last 40 years. It's by design. The cure is not marketable. So when we look at, when we look at what Vance was teaching me, he was teaching me the advanced science of transhumanism. Now let's go back to our robots in Afghanistan. The idea eventually is to make sentience transfer from humans to a mechanical device that'll live forever. And the mechanical device can be human appearing and even human functioning from a biological standpoint. I mean, they'll have uh, urination, defecation processes, digestion, eating food, uh, sexual relations. They'll function much like a human being. And what are we seeing appearing on the scene now? You're not seeing it in your life but you're seeing stories about it in places like popular science. So where is all this headed? This is the transhumanism age. And what this means is soon humans are going to be in the way. If you've wondered why you've heard all these um, um, globalists say things like we need to reduce the population by 90%, correct? 
And we've seen it from the royal family, Ted Turner, you name it. All these uh, mucky mucks have said the same thing. And we look at it as a declaration of war upon humanity. I don't think it's so much a war in the way they look at it. They're looking at it like you're an unnecessary expense. It's kind of like you're the part to the machine that no longer fits. So we have to find a way to discard the part. And this is what transhumanism is. But we have approached a time, and this is where I'm starting to get information, where consciousness, now for the first time, could be transferred. This is beyond my scope of thinking, too. And I've had to sit back when I've had these things revealed to me. And the revelation, the first time I've heard this was, let's go back 15 months to that Branson conference, is when I was having private conversations with some of the researchers that were presenting these individuals would say, Dave, this is what I know, and this is what I can prove, and this is what you hear in my presentation, but this is where I know it's going, and this is what people on the inside tell me, and I'm looking for the verification and validation so I can go public with this. Well, we're about to the point where we're seeing this, but what I did tonight before I came on here, I wanted to see what the popular culture was saying about this technology because I very much believe in the power of predictive programming. And you go, what's that? Well, in case you don't know, a lot of things that we see uh, in the media end up coming true in real life. Now, there's all kinds of theories about this. Mike Adams and I had this discussion a couple of months ago. Uh, the one thought is, the popular thought is they have to reveal what they're going to do before they do it. It's some kind of cosmic law of the universe. I've, ever, I've never found any proof that validates that, that truth. But a lot of people really do believe that. I have no idea why we see the media coming out with prognostications and predictions in their shows of things that show up later on in life. I think Star Trek, the original TV series in the late 1960s, is absolutely the best example of this ever. Oh, that'll never happen. What's that automatic opening doors? That almost seems comical today, doesn't it? But that's what people were saying at that time. You'll never see that. And then a tricorder that can scan you. What is an MRI? It's the same thing. And, and how about the communicator? It was a, like, look like an ugly flip phone that'd be outdated today. But when we look at Star Trek, we look at a situation that it predicted advance after advance after advance after advance. Well, we're seeing it now in the media. Do an experiment that I did. When you open up Netflix and you're scrolling down, go through each show. And what you're going to see is about 1 in 15 of Netflix's programming is about some form of advanced human cognition that goes way beyond the three-dimensional world that we live in. And I concluded that there is an intentional effort there to guide people's thinking in this direction through programming because it occurs too often for it to be random chance. So what does all this mean? Could one person have their identity stolen and replaced by another to get control of their body? Theoretically, on paper, based on what we know, the answer would be yes. But in my mind, I'm thinking, my gosh, how do we get to where we're at to where that would be? There are a lot of steps in between, aren't there, right? Like I'll give you a transporter stuff. We know that we can transport, use a transporter that we saw in Star Trek. It's been done a couple of times in Germany now. Leipzig, Germany was the last time they did this experiment that I'm aware of, and they transported inanimate object across a laboratory, a big laboratory, and the object actually had dual reality. 
it was where it was started and it appeared simultaneously to where it was going. And the both existed for just a moment before this disappeared and caught up to this. Fantastic with, with that. But now, can you do it with humans? Well, you'd have to disassemble the molecules, basically kill the human being and reassemble them. I don't know if that we'll ever be able to do that, but I think that the transhumanists are working on it and they may have done this. See, this leads to a lot of avenues, doesn't it? Like stargates. Mm, yeah, exactly. Transporters of human beings. So this is really open questions. And the purpose for me coming before you tonight with this technology is the idea is I'm telling you, transhumanism is 40 years ahead of what you're seeing right now. Why do I say that? Because when you look at past advances in humans, what have we done in this country? We get the technology about 35 to 40 years after the technology becomes available. One of the short turnarounds was the internet. The internet was used to survive a nuclear attack to have communications in 1966. It went online for the US Army and the Air Force. Later, we released it in 1996. It was called the internet. It's here, ladies and gentlemen. And people paid $25 a month to be able to log on to it. 30 years. And that was a quick turnaround. Microwave ovens was a lot longer than it was more about 45 years. The Tesla invention, the failed Philadelphia experiment to where you can now make soup in your kitchen without using the stove. That was about 45 years in that lag time. So what we're talking about that we know exists today Robots that can reprogram themselves, which means there's self-awareness there, project 40 years of progress. That becomes frightening, doesn't it? It becomes absolutely frightening. Will there be a one day where they just flip a switch and we all just keel over dead? That's one of the things that some people I've talked to that study the transhumanism uh, aspect of this feel that this could exist someday. It's a fascinating topic. It truly is but it's where extreme science fiction meets extreme science reality. I hope I've made you think a little bit. I hope you will go out and do your own research because remember, 80% of all intelligence is open source. You just have to know where to look. And fortunately, I have people that call me every day and say, Dave, this is where you look. A lot of you don't have that, but a lot of you are smart, really smart, and you'll come up with good self-descriptive skills and you'll be able to find a lot of what I couldn't find on my own without help. See, I'm giving a lot more credit than, than I could take because I wouldn't have found all this stuff without help. Vance Davis and Bill Pollack, the late Bill Pollack, were tremendous in terms of taking my knowledge from here and exploding it in terms of what I learned about what's truly going on with the world we live. You live truly in a matrix, ladies and gentlemen, and that matrix, that matrix is... Um, inextricably wo woven with the future. And that leads me to time travel, but we're gonna cover that in a different time. Oh yes, time travel is being worked on as well. By the way, when you transport an object, you've already engaged in time travel, but we'll cover that on another broadcast. I thought you would enjoy this presentation on transhumanism. And we are now living in an age where it's transhumanism on steroids and humans are an endangered species. And I want to thank uh, Katrina. Uh, thank you very much. You guys are awesome with your generosity and your attention. And I'll see you back here next time. Please share this. Give me a thumbs up on the way out. And if you haven't subscribed to the Common Sense Show, please do so. We'll see you back here next time.